Welcome everybody to the Mongols preview show. We are sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and the Beautiful Game Network. I'm Justin Ashcraft and I have Steve Mattiase here with me tonight. In this episode, we'll be looking at the away match between the Hounds and Nashville SC this Saturday night at 8 p.m. Steve, how is it going though? Hey Justin, it's going pretty good. Uh, you know, just uh, hanging in there. Uh, things are going great over on campus uh, with our new students, getting to know them pretty well. Um, so that's been really enjoyable. Um, it's always an interesting thing at the beginning of the year because, you know, uh, with the one-year program, we get to know our students really well, and then all of a sudden they transition out. So uh, nice to finally get to know them by name and face uh, and yep. uh, be able to talk to them a, a few times and, and get to know what they want to do in the future. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, it's been been a good couple of weeks and exciting to kind of get in and we're hitting the we're hitting the stretch of this season we're hitting the home stretch and and that's gonna be interesting but yeah the unfortunate thing about the home stretch is we have more games away than we have at home yeah that's true keep, so away keep, stretch at yeah. the end of the season yeah, whatever I, I keep looking at my my tickets and like oh no there's only two left <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true well uh, before we get too far into the discussion, we are recording this on Tuesday night at 8 o'clock, which, if you know anything about the schedule and the way this works, Nashville is currently playing a game against Birmingham. They probably just kicked off in the next in the last 5 to 10 minutes. Um, and so any stats from that game are not going to be included in this analysis, but that's okay. Uh, that's just the way these midweek games work. But, um, I mean, first of all, that that is a big game, I think. Um in kind of the river hounds uh the games to watch this kind of the end of the season here so i think there's a couple of them uh being that birmingham and nashville play tonight mm -hmm. um uh then birmingham plays indy on friday uh and louisville plays new york uh on saturday as well so lots of kind of big games as we get down to the stretch and i think some of these games just mean more now uh because of the playoff positioning so it's interesting when you start to get to some of these midweek games and, and we have a few coming up to try to balance that with what you think is going to happen mm -hmm. on the weekend yeah i think the other ones that i'm interested in seeing what happens is um uh, the Rowdies versus Ottawa, uh, see if Ottawa oh, actually yeah. bounces back and makes a push or if Tampa Bay continues that slide um, or or the other way around. Maybe Tampa Bay finally picks up some points again and, and shows that they can uh, keep competing for one of those top five or six spots. Um, uh, it was interesting hearing the guys talk about it with, uh, with Matt um, and everybody kind of get to that point where they think the Rowdies are just done for in terms of home playoffs. So I'm not convinced yet, but um, definitely be keeping an eye on that game to see if that gives any indication. No, I'm not convinced yet. They're still, they're still right there in the table. And I think that's the cool thing. I guess that's the cool thing about this year as compared to last year. I think by this time last year, we sort of looked at Cincy, and Cincy was uh, several points out in front mm -hmm. of second place. Um, and so it's like, okay, well, we'll just fight Louisville for second and third. Um, and so I think what's cool about this year is basically for like two, well, three through six or so is all kind of mashed <clears throat> together. Uh, seven through 10 is sort of all mashed together too. So it's like kind of cool that there's battles kind of all over the place and these games yeah. matter for almost everybody in the league mm -hmm. so it's it's an exciting exciting time so um kind of jumping into the matchup this weekend so currently um right this second uh 
prior to playing this game against Birmingham. <coughs> Excuse me. Nashville is sitting fourth with 51 points. Mm-hmm. They have 15 wins, six draws, seven losses. So whatever happens tonight gets Birmingham added to that. Yep. Um, the Hounds sit in fifth uh, right behind them with a game in hand. Um, two, we'll have two by Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have one less win. So we have 14 wins, nine draws, four losses. Interesting thing about the four losses, though, it's the least number of losses in the East and second only in the league to Phoenix. So that's a pretty good stat. Yeah, and if people aren't paying attention to the rest of the league, Phoenix is just otherworldly this year. Um, They're on a ridiculous winning streak. They've only lost two this year. So, I mean, to have them be better than any in any category is probably going to happen for every other team in the league. Um, But uh, one thing I wanted to point out as well is uh, the Hounds also have 51 points sitting in fifth. Um, The reason that we're behind Nashville at the moment is because of that uh, win difference that they have one more win than we do. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So, so we are tied uh, with Nashville and we can kind of uh, gain an advantage on them this weekend. Um, as long as Birmingham gets something off of Nashville this weekend. So if either of those things, if, if Birmingham can get something uh, tonight against Nashville, then we'll have a chance to kind of surpass Nashville. If not, we could still win uh, on Saturday and we'll have two games in hand and, um, you know, be tied. So yeah, I think it's like we're sitting in a pretty good position when it comes to Nashville, even though they're ahead of us. <clears throat> Absolutely. Even if Nashville were to win uh, against Birmingham and we didn't beat them and they beat us, we'd still be six points behind with two games in hand. So um, have the opportunity, worst case scenario, to match them. Um, hoping that it doesn't come to that, but um, yeah. But you know, I mean, we're in a pretty good position when it comes to looking at Nashville. Any result against Nashville on Saturday is going to be great for us. Um, so. Uh, at least in terms of the standing. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're in a position. I'm not worried about Nashville too much in that regard, um, considering there's other games to be played and anything else can happen. So it's not like I'm expecting every single team left to win every single game that they have. Somebody's going to drop points somewhere. And there's matchups yeah. as well between uh, some of the top five teams um, where somebody has to drop points. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so that's what I think is going to be interesting to see, kind of which way those games go. And then if, you know, if the teams kind of ahead of us um, mm-hmm. can beat the teams they're supposed to, um, and if Birmingham or some of these other teams that are scrapping for a playoff position um, can start getting points off of these upper table teams, like I think that game, Ottawa and um, Tampa Bay, like that's another game where a team that's fighting for their playoff life is playing a team who's kind of in that top five mm-hmm six range and it could be interesting to see kind of where that where that lies um at the end of the season so it's gonna be yeah i mean any way you cut it uh and i think we've talked about this a lot we talk about it a lot on the discord you know the steel army discord we talk about it a lot on our mongols uh cast slack uh channel about just how close the end of this season actually is yeah. um how there's just there's not a lot to kind of separate um, good teams from bad teams and, and what, uh, what's going to happen when it comes to those, you know, top four positions and mm-hmm. playoffs and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, Steve, you found some interesting kind of statistics about scoring by, uh, for Nashville. Yeah. So, uh, right now, uh, they have 
Daniel Rios, who last year was the second highest scorer in the league, um, and he's sitting in second again this year. Uh, he's got 17 goals in 25 games. Um, uh, so he's showing again that he can score. Um, he doesn't have many assists, um, but he's effective when he's in front of goal. So, so that's uh, something we're definitely going to have to watch out for um, because he's not just a guy that we can see scoring now, but he's shown over the course of two seasons that uh, he can be right there at the top of the goal-scoring charts and be effective and do that with different systems on two different teams. Yeah, yeah for sure. I think he's a obviously a talented player, obviously somebody that we're um, looking at season. Um the second leading goal scorer uh, for Nashville is Cameron Lancaster, who has five. Um, and you might think Cameron Lancaster, the Golden Boot winner from last year, only has five. Yes, he only has five. Um, but let me tell you why. He has been injured a lot of the season. Um, and so he is uh, he has only played in 16 games, and only seven of those have been starts. So he is going from being kind of the striker um, last year in Louisville that he was kind of the guy scoring all the goals to this year kind of splitting time with Rios plus being injured. I think it's interesting. So if you look at the two of them, though, Dana Rios has a goal every 121 minutes. Cameron Lancaster has a goal every 137 minutes. So it's not like they're, based on their minutes on the field, uh, they've been about the same amount of effectiveness. So I think that's just an interesting way in which we can mm-hmm. look at stats again um, that you can kind of make it say whatever you want, but you could also look at it a little bit deeper and see that there there's some interesting patterns going on there. Yeah, and it is without context. I mean, we talked about this a little bit last week when we were talking about some of our players that uh, potentially Lancaster is getting in positions uh, on the field in some of those games where he's playing against opponents where uh, the coach thinks he has the best chance of being successful. So he's setting him up for success, whereas Rios is demonstrating it over the course of the season that he can score goals when he's in the game. Um, So yeah, I mean, both dangerous. Um, If they're both in the game, uh, definitely something to watch out for because then they've got multiple goal-scoring threats. uh, and they're going to get a lot of good distribution as well. Uh, uh, Libo Maloto uh, sits in a three-way tie for second uh, on league assists with nine. Um, he's also created 57 chances. That's 12th best of all players in the league. So he's one of those guys that is going to give opportunities to those two goal scorers. Um, he's probably going to be looking for an assist. So, um, so I think what I'm trying to say with that is not only do we have to watch out for the guys that can put the ball in the back of the net but we've got to be closing down somebody like Lebo beforehand so that he's not getting the ball to them um otherwise I think uh our defense is going to have some trouble or at least yeah yeah and that's where you're looking at guys like Kenny Dabo um whoever's kind of sitting in those holding midfielder roles like uh, can they close Lebo down uh before he has the chance to kind of distribute Mm -hmm. to um the players uh, ahead of him, and then um, will Rios and, and Lancaster be in places that um, they can score? Um, so those are kind of two things that sort of go together, and I think we do need to kind of watch out for both of those. I mean, these are these are some of the best goal scorers in U.S. that USL has to offer um, when you think about Cameron Lancaster. You think about Daniel Rios, both of them super effective last year. Mm-hmm. Both of them, again, Lancaster in limited minutes, but both of them have been super effective again this year. So I think it's a, 
it's yeah i mean it's something that we definitely have to watch out for something we definitely have to think about as we're defend you know as our guys are defending and going through the game so really important really mm-hmm. important that we kind of close down on the offensive side yeah um the, the other thing that's going to be interesting about this game is that um we've talked a lot about how uh how good kyle morton's been uh, especially as of late um nine clean sheets um at least as of right now uh matt pickens of nashville also has nine clean sheets um uh although pickens has had to make a lot more saves he's got 51 compared to kyle's 39 um so that's just something that I think is interesting. I mean, we got two guys that um, don't get um, that don't let in goals in a lot of games um, and make a decent number of saves. Um, and with that, I mean, Pickens has only been scored on 15 times, um, uh, and that's in 19 games. Um, Morton, he's been beaten 18 times in 18 games, and I think we've beaten the horse to death uh, about the reasons why we think that's not a fair assessment. Um, so maybe we won't go into that this week, um, but I think everybody knows why we think that, uh, that Morton's stats aren't actually reflective of the quality that he has. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just, I had seen that, um, I guess it's just about time that the minimum required number of games is starting to hit for a lot of keepers in the league Mm -hmm. for that for the golden glove uh so usl i think put out their first kind of golden glove standing whatever uh in the last maybe it's been over the last couple weeks but morton obviously wasn't on that list due to several games that he's had that he's led in multiple goals but i think uh when you talk about kind of current form and and kind of Mm -hmm. the way they're operating you just take kind of the other context uh you know the other context of red cards and different things out of the the system uh, I think it's interesting because I don't think these guys are that far apart when you talk about their stats um, and the quality that they have been offering this year. So I do think, um, you know, when we are able to not give up that many shots, um, yeah, the, it, Kyle's been good. So um, right. I think it's I think it's something that we definitely can keep an eye on. Um, mm-hmm. And we know this. I mean, Pickens was so hard to score on last year. It was a tough battle every time we played Nashville to put balls mm-hmm. behind Pickens. So um, I think it will be interesting to see what happens this weekend. Yeah, and their other keeper, he's only lent in 10 goals as well. Um, he's had less uh, less opportunity. Um, uh, but, I mean, that is something that's important. I mean, they're, they're not a team that's easy to score against, and I think a lot of that comes down to their defense. We've discussed many times that the defense that we have um, is not giving up many chances, but I think Nashville as well. I mean, they're a very strong defensive team, um, and so that's going to be something that is going to be interesting, and uh, if we're going to have a good chance of winning this game, we're going to have to find some ways to bring uh, break through on a really tough defense. Yeah, I mean, you look at the defensive statistics, they're not that far apart. So the Riverhounds mm-hmm. have given up 28 goals, in 27 games Mm -hmm. i think um and nashville has given up 25 goals in 27 games i think so it's not like you know three goals difference between those two um they neither team gives up goals um Mm -hmm. very easily so um the riverhounds have 12 clean sheets to nashville's 11 so it's it's very uh it's very these defenses are both very good. Right. Uh, coaches are very similar in the way they set up and play and, and different things like that. So really these games are who can put a ball in the back of the net and most likely that's going to be the team to win. You know, um, It's not like you have to score multiple goals in this game. It's can you get one. So, 
Yeah, I mean, the Hounds, though, they've been giving themselves a chance uh, every time we've been out there recently to at least have a chance to win um, or at least to uh, to not lose all the points. Um, so, I mean, now we've got our shutout streak going four games, um, so it's been over six hours of game time since somebody else has put a ball in the back of our net. Um, so hopefully they can extend that another uh, 90 minutes this weekend. Yeah, and it's going to be tough to – I mean, it's going to be tough with the guys – that are field. I mean, we haven't played scores that are this quality um, in a lot in a long time. So I think it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens this weekend. Um, so I just pulled a few things um, while we're talking about defenses and we're talking about how good some of these defenses is, are. I just wanted to pull a few kind of stats out and show you like maybe a little bit about how good our defense is. So. I think uh, I think the easiest way. So we have five guys basically who start most of our games on the defense, and I just thought we we could run through each of them, uh, kind of real quick with some stats and kind of s- see if that shows how they play in different things. So Jordan Dover um, has one goal on the season, two assists, um, and then I think an mm-hmm. important stat to look at is sort of fouls won versus fouls conceded. Jordan has thirty fouls won. Um, so he's gotten fouled 30 times and then he's conceded 27 fouls. I think it's pretty incredible for a defender, especially playing outside back where a lot of your defending is going to be coming one-on-one to have, to mm-hmm. win more fouls than you concede. That's a pretty incredible stat, I think. Yeah. Um, and then next to him, oftentimes we're seeing Toby Adewole. Uh, he's got two goals, 85 clearances. So he's getting the ball out of the defensive end quite frequently. Um, he also has more fouls won than fouls committed. Um, and it's even by a better ratio. So uh, 31, same number, um, but one better in terms of fouls committed being only at 26. So um, not something I really would have ever expected from a center back to actually have more fouls won, um, uh, especially because often times the center back is the guy that you know i mean they're doing those head-on little little cheeky little clips at the at the back of the heels or uh, getting a little more physical and there's a lot of ways that a uh, a defender especially a central defender can get uh, a foul called against them to have more f- called for them is pretty impressive in my mind as well yeah and i think toby that just shows how smart toby is as a defender um and yeah i think it just it shows how good he actually is um, Tommy Van Kiesel mm-hmm. sort of plays that middle role, um, or sometimes outside back, you know, who knows, um, where he's going to be. Or sometimes drifting wherever he wants. Yeah. Sometimes just playing roaming soccer. Uh, he has two goals on the season. His, uh, his fouls won versus conceded is not as good. Um, so he's won 15 fouls and conceded 30. I think we know that. I think we know that he is a little bit less smart with the way he fouls. Um, and how he fouls so I think we kind of know that the thing I did want to pull out um, is that he does have the highest passing percentage Um, I think it's 77 something percent uh, that he's had over the course of the season so among the five defenders he's the most accurate passer which I think is we know that too from just the eye test 
Yeah, and I think Tommy's one of those guys that like he does not fit the mold of a typical center back, even right. a center back in a back three, that his role is a lot different than what we're expecting from most center backs. Um, he moves around a lot. He steps forward. Uh, sometimes he's stepping in more to kind of a defensive midfielder position. So um, for him to be giving up some more fouls, I'm not that surprised about. Um, so that brings us to Joe Greenspan. Uh, Joe is the guy that you want at the back when you're trying to get the ball away from the end line. Uh, 118 clearances, which is seventh overall in the league. Um, he's also got two goals. Um, uh, and uh, although he hasn't won a ton of fouls, only nine, he's also only committed 20, um, which is pretty impressive for a center back. I mean, only 20 fouls. Um but one of the things I also want to note on that is, so we've talked about four of our five defenders. All of them have scored. Uh, so we're looking at a total of seven goals from the back line at this point. Yeah, that's that's a good number, I think. And when it just shows that we're getting, uh, you know, that it's coming from everywhere too, um, that set pieces are dangerous when your center backs are putting balls in the back of the net. Um, and so that's a, yeah, that's a really good comment to bring up there. Uh, lastly, we have Ryan James. Uh, he has five assists on the season. We know that. He's throwing the ball in the box all the time. Um, and so he has five assists. Uh, he's second in interceptions with 65. Um, so I think that just shows how smart he is in putting, you know, getting the ball in the right, being in the right spot and being able to pick balls off um, as, uh, as teams typically maybe try to spray the ball wide. He's keeping it from getting wide. Um, and I think... Again, for an outside back, he has 20 fouls won and only 16 committed. So as an outside back to only have 16 committed, I mean, that's almost less than one every two games. Uh, that's a pretty impressive, that's a pretty impressive number. It really is. And if you had asked me that before actually looking at the numbers, I would have never guessed that he's only committed 16 fouls. Yeah, for sure. Um, so just wanted to throw one more kind of stat, kind of wrapping all that up. So over the course of the season, um, the guys on the defense, have they have won 104 fouls. Um, so just under four a game. I think it was 3.85. Um, and then they've conceded 119 fouls, and that's about 4.5 a game. I think it's 4.4 or something. Um, so I think that's pretty... I think that's pretty impressive. And the one reason, one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about this sort of is I think I get frustrated a lot watching games because I feel like, oh, that wasn't a foul. You shouldn't have whistled that. You should... But they're being whistled pretty evenly over the course of the season. It's not like these guys are giving up 120 fouls and then they're conceding, you know, uh, you know, they're conceding 120 fouls and only getting whistled 85 times. It's about the mm -hmm. same. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so before we close it out tonight, I did have one more uh, stat, uh, my stat of the week, I guess. I, I've said that a few <laughs> weeks in a row now. Um, and this is a follow-up from uh, what, uh, what Mike, Josh, and Matt were talking about with Sammy Kasai. Um, so I went through and took a look at his passing for uh, the game on Saturday. Um, so this is a little bit of follow-up from uh, this past Saturday. Um, so uh, uh, roughly... Um, uh, of the passes that he made, only one of them was a key pass. Um, he was unsuccessful in about 10% of his passes. About 20 of his passes went to the outside, so they were wide. Um, about 30% went forward, which means about 40% of them were passed backwards. So he was passing back quite a bit. Um, so uh, Mike, Josh, 
Matt. Do with that with you will, but there you go. There's the numbers to prove what uh, what you were talking about. That's good. I'm glad we I'm glad we uh, solved that solved that mystery. Um, but I think I mean I think that's what you see a lot of times from young defensive midfielders that they're not going to mm-hmm. be as aggressive with their passes. They're going to be playing safe. They're going to throw it back to the keeper to one of the center backs um, to try to just kind of recycle it. So I'm not sure that that's a bad stat, um, but yeah. Good. Glad yeah, we saw yeah. the mystery. And I'll say this was this was one of the first times I think he was in a game for a long time, and I didn't have big question marks of what the heck is he doing. Yeah, for sure. Um, no mistakes in my mind from Sammy. No, no, week. no big ones for sure. So, all right, Justin. Anything else that you've got? I don't think so. I'm excited for this. I'm all right. I'm excited for this game on Saturday. I think it's a big big test of where we're going to end up at the end of the season so important game to win yeah i mean you were reading the comments i was throwing out on our our slack discussion i'm I'm just i i just don't know how to feel about the rest of the season (laughs) i mean i i just feel a little apprehensive and and i don't know why because you know what i don't think we're going to get scored on a lot i think we've got a chance to at least get a point in every game from here on out if not wins but i'm man it's just getting to this point in the season um there's a lot of people that have been listening that have been following the hounds for a lot longer uh than i have than and you have been following them for a lot longer uh but all i can think of is man we're getting to the end of the season uh are they going to do what they last year and disappoint me at the end of the season and just go on this slide um i stopped following the pirates this year because you know what i have soccer to pay attention to and what's the point of listening to the pirates when you know they're going to tank at the end of the season but that's been my pittsburgh sports uh fanship is is the teams that i've followed at the end of the season i'm just disappointed so i am apprehensive though i don't think i have good reason to be yeah probably probably not i think this team is gonna finish in a way different way than they did last year but we'll see I think it, but emotionally, I don't feel it. <laughs> Start to feel it. Start to feel it now. I'm, 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 I'm working hard to get there. So uh, so with that, I'm going to say thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, uh, official scarf supplier of MSL, MSL, MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Uh, you can go get your custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. We are part of the Beautiful Game Network. Go check us out and our other podcasts at bgn.fm. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe and leave us a review. You can contact us online at Mongols on Facebook, on Twitter, and at Mongols Pod on Instagram. Let us know what you think of our shows. We love hearing from you guys. Until next time, ciao. Ciao. Oh.